Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And welcome to today's episode, which, as you listeners always know, when it comes to guests and people that I admire from afar, I get really nervous and fangirly. And today's another one of those episodes where I'm going to be really nervous and fangirly. So put that little warning at the top. But I'm actually, we are crossing over my TikTok world to the podcasting world. I love it. I love when I do these intersections. Don't you, Annie? I do. Especially because I'm still not on TikTok, so <laughs> I love when you introduce me to these things. <laughs> yes, and I have introduced you to her videos, but um, I've been following her for a while now and her content on social justice, the criminal system, and her coverage of the revolution of Iran. And it's the information we so need today. Alika, yay! I'm so yay. excited to have you on. <laughs> Thank yes. you for having me. Can you introduce yourself <laughs> to our listeners? Yes, I am. Elika Lebon. I am a criminal defense attorney and I am an activist, um, human rights, anti-carceral state activist, and more recently, Iran revolution activist. And I live here in California in the United States of America. About that about sums me up. <laughs> That's a good summary. Yeah, I love uh, your TikTok videos, and I, I know we're going to tell everyone at the end. I think it's pretty easy to find you. Um, mm-hmm. You're on all the all the social medias that you do a lot of an amazing coverage of things that we don't know that's happening in Iran. But you also mm-hmm. do a lot of conversation about the criminal justice system in mm-hmm. the U.S. and the lack uh, of justice, rather, that is happening mm-hmm. in the U.S. And you do such mm-hmm. an amazing job in making sure that. That you are not only giving us this information, but you do it with heart and passion. And first of all, I have to say thank you for doing that because it's amazing, hard content. 
it is hard. It is very difficult content, especially in, you know, today's world, everything is like, you know, you don't know what you can even say anymore, but this stuff is like always in the forefront of like the, the public conversation, you know? Yes. And with that, you also have some amazing clapback videos. Oh. Uh, I'm also a fan of those. <laughs> I just, do just love the clapback videos. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny when there's, there's always that person that's like, you're so much bigger than this. And it's like, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just not. <laughs> I love that you just attack because I know there's a lot of trolls and misogynistic so trolls. people who yes. just out there try to come at you and you're like, eh, let's get this straight. And you know, right. I love that. And that's the thing is that I never go after people. But if you come into my home where I was minding my own business... <laughs> I mean, the consequences are up for grabs. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you do it so eloquently; it Thank doesn't you. even feel like a clapback. So, Thank you. Right. I, I try. <laughs> See, this is where I get to the, the fan girling. I'm like, oh my god, you're just amazing, and everything you do is amazing. So, okay, I needed that today. So, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> just well, well deserved. But yes, we we are so excited to have you here, and and we wanted to talk about uh, several things that you have been covering recently. But first. Uh, kind of go to the, one of the more recent posts that you've had, especially on TikTok, and I'm sure it's crossed over, um, where you kind of give everyone a reality check about how long this revolution has been happening, mm. um, dating all the way back in the 70s. And we kind of did a small kind of, I guess, summary of it. That's really awful to say, but we just wanted to kind of tell everybody what was going on today. And we did kind of say, okay, this is a big thing that happened in the 70s, and it's just literally mm. attaching itself to that. So can you talk first? about the history of the women fighting back in Iran from the beginning, essentially. Okay, yes. Yeah. So in 1979, there was a big revolution. And that is when the Islamic Republic came into power for the first time. So that's when the landscape of women's rights drastically altered in Iran. Um, so they were, that's when the imposition of mandatory hijab became part of the law. Um, that's when women's rights across the board became extremely restricted um, no more singing in public, no more dancing in public, no more being seen with a man, no more being able to do things without your husband's permission. So it was like it was a, a drastic alteration of the landscape um, in a country where women had previously enjoyed more of those rights. And so um, the reason that I made that video is because when people talk about the revolution in Iran today in 2013, they're like, you know, this revolution has been going on since the death of Massa Amini, Massa Gina Amini, um, September 16th, 2022, and it's five, six months in the making. But the reason that I made that video is to explain that this revolution has been going on since the same year that the Islamic, the Islamic Republic came to power, which is 1979. So there have been waves of this revolution. There was um, 2009, there was 2019, there was 2007, like it's just been ongoing. But the very first protest was on International Women's Day, March 8th. 1979, and the women of Iran took to the streets for six days straight to protest mandatory hijab. And there was all of, it looked just like today, but there just weren't the cameras, right? There was all the violence, all the beatings, all the executions, but they fought for six days straight for their rights. And they've been going ever since. And I, I think that's an amazing conversation that we have to have is that we cannot forget the women and the people that came before mm. as 
there is a little something different in this in the air paving the way but the women who have actually been there and have been there and have been exiled or excommunicated or executed mm. and persecuted for so long and and that's kind of one of the big things that we have to remember is this is not anything new it's just mm. new to us who is trying to figure out what's happening today exactly it's just been made aware to the international community because of access to media and cell phones and all of this stuff now people are finding out what's what's been going on yeah i mean this context is so important in the, in the conversation that's happening now um and especially uh with the news that we might get here in the united states or what news we don't get here in the united states but can you talk about what is happening right now and perhaps specifically the role women are playing in what is happening right now well, I think the role of the women in Iran is today, it's as, you know, prominent as it always was because, you know, women are the ones that feel the brunt of a lot of these laws. Women are the ones who are the first one to be driven out into the streets to protest against them. I mean, especially like you said today, we're living in a world where because we have access to information, and we have access to everything. Let's not forget that the women of Iran, who, by the way, are overwhelmingly Gen Z right now in Iran, I think it's something like 85% of, of people in Iran are under 30. So these are just babies like Gen Z. And they all have TikTok and they all have Instagram. One of the protesters that was um, killed, Hadis Najafi, who was only 20 years old, you still can see her TikToks where she's dancing, making dancing videos on TikTok. So these girls and these women are subject to these laws, but they're on TikTok and they're seeing the rest of us just living these free lives. And they're like, hang on a minute, why can't I live like everyone else? Like, why do I have to live in a way that doesn't align with who I am and what I want, right? Because it's about freedom of choice. Some women want to wear the hijab, but if they don't want to, they don't understand why they can't have that choice. So having that access to that information and to, you know, these apps and TikTok and Instagram and seeing the way that the rest of the world live and the way that women have those freedoms, not necessarily all the freedoms, but at least those freedoms, that is driving them even more now to take to the streets because now they're not going to settle you know now now they they know what kind of life they have why would they settle you know right yeah i think that's a big conversation in what's happening today I know at the beginning uh, with Masamani's death, the conversation was it was a protest. And then the mm. conversation shifted to this is a revolution. Yes. Can you tell us how it got to that point? Yeah. So I think initially um, after Masajina Amini's death, it, it seemed to the world like protests because I guess the world wasn't fully aware of the historical context of what was going on in Iran. And maybe they didn't even intend for it to be a revolution at first. But I think the protests grew because of the fact that it wasn't just about hijab, right? So this was about so much more than that. It was about freedom across the board. You know, um, they refer to it as a women's-led revolution because it started with a woman. It started with the oppression of a woman, but then it developed into a full-scale across-the-board revolution where it's like, hang on, none of us are free. Women are not free. Men are not free. Children are not free. And they're not even free to exercise their basic right to protest, right? 
these men are being hanged just for protesting. So because of that constriction on their on their freedom overall, and because it's been going on for so long, it's been 44 years now, I think the protests ripened into a revolution because it got to a point where it's like, we, we don't just want you to end mandatory hijab. We don't just want you to fix this or do that. We don't want reform. We want a revolution. We don't want you anymore. We want regime change for right. Iran. We want democracy, right. secular democracy. True democracy, which is, yeah, that's such a huge conversation. And one of the things that I, I found interesting, and it could be me misreading some of the articles, and you, you let me know, is that they have, they, there's a conversation about something that is different with this time round, with this uh, revolution, is that for the first time, and maybe not so much, but there seems to be more support from the people. Mm. Um, do you agree with that? Or do you think that's just the misleading of like, no, they've always had the support? You mean from inside or from outside of Iran? From inside from inside Iran and outside of Iran, but mainly inside first and foremost. Yes, yes. So I think that there was a survey recently and the survey was conducted. Uh, I need to remember how many people was, uh, it was 200,000 people. I think 150,000 of them were inside of Iran. And it was something like maybe 87% wanted the Islamic Republic gone. Mm-hmm. So it's overwhelming support for this revolution and get, getting rid of the Islamic Republic. Right. Again, we're going to get into the whole propaganda machine, but as people are saying, oh, it's dying down, but then we get more images of people from all over the country, uh, rural areas coming in to mm. add to the support. Uh, mm. Is that growing? Yeah, so um, like you said, propaganda, um, one thing that they do is that, you know, they shut down internet. So the reason that they shut down internet is to stop the information coming out of Iran, to stop it, you know, being in the consciousness, the awareness of the international community. So when they have protests in, you know, Zahedan and places that are more rural, rural areas and they, you know, fully block off the internet, what they don't want is for the rest of the world to see how many people are going out into in droves in the streets to protest them daily, weekly, whatever, right? Um, so that's part of making it seem like the protests aren't happening, but the protests are happening there every day, you know, um, and they've been happening. They're just not, the the videos aren't always accessible because of their, that control over the access to the internet. rant for a sec please pay apps are way too public what happened some rando hearted a payment from five months ago and i realized people can see my entire history who i'm paying like full names it's super weird yeah it's weird how are you paying your friends then apple cash it's all in messages you can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends random people can't see it did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position 
warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. So can we kind of talk about that a bit more, like that control of the uh, internet and what we're, what should we look out for when it comes to the Iranian regime and propaganda that is used against this movement? So there's a lot when it comes to that. Um, So the shutting down of the internet is one thing. So it doesn't allow people to, like I said, share information or receive information. Um, Another one is the bot accounts online. So the Islamic Republic has long engaged in cyber wars and it's documented. It's not just a conspiracy theory. They have documented history of cyber wars and they pay people to um, and bots to cause problems online. So they'll fight with, they'll cause, you know, division amongst the diaspora. Um, they will, you know, uh, present an image of support for the Islamic Republic. They'll pay them to go online and say, this is all fake. It's all made up by Israel and the USA. It's not happening. Everyone loves the Islamic Republic. These protesters aren't even being executed. It's not real. Um, Master Gina Amini didn't really get killed. She just died of a heart problem. So they um, get paid to go online and make up, you know, this propaganda. And another thing they do is that, so there was um, three whistleblowers from Meta who came forward and said that the Islamic Republic, the regime was trying to pay people at Meta to delete the accounts of Iranian activists um, and delete their posts. So, and that's why we all started noticing that uh, our content was being suppressed. And we were like, what is happening? Like videos would just disappear off the internet. It's a lot. Right. It's scary. It is so scary. And because you really don't know who to listen to, because part of the propaganda is also in the U.S. We've uh, had many episodes about misinformation that's happening just with, Mm. like, U.S. politics. So going international, Mm. I'm sure, is even bigger uh, as to who is controlling what narrative and who is allowing for what narrative to come out and who is being paid, as you had said. And, like, that's so scary that the meta finally came out with, like, hey, yeah, we're being paid to suppress these things. Like, when we see that... 
what are some of the things that maybe we should be aware of in in when things like that are happening, especially in the U.S.? And I'm, I'm saying this as a U.S.-centric, obviously, mm. conversation right at this moment. But in the U.S., who we really do want to know, but it's so hard to know who to listen to. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole point of of doing this is not even necessarily to make people believe the counter-narrative. It's just that even if that fails, to make you so confused that you decide to not believe anything or to just not trust anything. And that's what we see a lot of here in the US as well. You know, they insert the confusion, they come Mm -hmm. up with the theories, and then you don't know who to trust. So you're like, I'm just going to avoid the whole thing. And I'm just not going to listen. And I'm not going to pay attention. I'm going to be apathetic. And that's how they win, because apathy for them is also a win. It's as much as a win as you taking their side, right? Because the apathy is what they're looking for. They want you to be apathetic to Iran. They want you to be apathetic to whatever's going on in the US. So that's the same sort of thing that they're doing by the the, the propaganda that they are right. listing online. Um, I think the best thing to do and the best thing to look out for is whether you are listening to a credible source, um, someone who has, uh, first of all, an account with a face. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, you can actually see them. They have videos, they have content where they're showing themselves because a lot of the times people will hide behind profiles, fake profiles. And the other thing is, you know, what are they talking about? What is the narrative? What is the incentive? Where is it going? And is that a credible source? Because I've also had people counter narratives coming from like white men in America who don't know anything Mm -hmm. about Iran. (laughs) And people will be like, hmm, maybe I should listen to him. And I'm like, why? Why why should you? Why, <laughs> why should you? Why should you? Why are you doing yeah. this? No, I don't know. Just why men in general. That's yeah. usually the, well, why the men? Yeah. Why, why men? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we say over here. Um, but no, I think uh, you did a really good uh, TikTok video recently too about uh, one of the propaganda things. And I think I've seen a few of these uh, types of conversations that have come up from the regime, uh, things like they're pardoning people or they're not executing everyone, everybody calm mm. down, that was misinformation. Can you kind of talk about the breakdown of their usage of rhetoric like that? Mm. Yeah, so I think the video that you're talking about is where there was, I think it was a Reuters news article that said that um, the Supreme Leader was pardoning all of these prisoners. So from the um, heading, it was like, oh, that's amazing. Like everyone's getting off of death row. And then you look at the subtext and it's like, everyone's getting pardoned except and it's like listing every possible, everyone who protested, anyone who breathed the wrong way, anyone who didn't apologize, anyone who you know, had a conversation with the media. And so once you got to the end of it, you were like, okay, since no one seems to be being pardoned, except for like rapists, that wasn't, that wasn't on the list. (laughs) Then we know that the purpose of that information is to present to the world that, you know, something, what's going on in Iran isn't really going on in Iran. You know, these people are not the people that you think. They're not the terrorists that you think. They're not, you know, the occupiers that you think. It's just misinformation because look how lenient we are. We're even pardoning all these people, but then you find out that they're actually not pardoning anyone, you know? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. The whole same conversation about 
when the article came out that they were going to execute so many of the protesters, um, and they did it by, like, flight of night, and then people countered it very quickly. Um, we even, like, had that moment of, like, oh, wait, maybe it's not. But the conversation was we weren't getting the full information. That first article was probably more true than not, but because it, the regime was so quick and swift in order to put that propaganda that we believed it. And it's almost, it's hard to take that back because I think people are still having a hard time. That didn't really happen type of conversation. Right. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, it's important to remember that the regime exists in power without any accountability. So people who live and are, are raised in the West, they view the rest of the world through this Western construct where like things seem really implausible and impossible because they would never happen here. You know, like here, I mean, the US government does stuff, but it's so like underhanded and sneaky that it would never be that obvious where like the US government would be like, oh, we're executing 15,000 people. Just kidding. No, we're not. Like it just, it wouldn't work that way. So because it's so much more underhanded, people think like that can't be going on in the rest of the world. Like it can't be a situation in the rest of somewhere in the world where there's this supreme leader and he just, you know, nods his his head and 15,000 people are gone. And it's like, well, that, that kind of is the way that it is over there. So because it's so hard for them to believe that that could be true, it's very easy to believe a different narrative, which is like, come on, guys, don't be unrealistic. Of course, that's not happening. Then it's like, OK, yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I thought that was a bit dramatic. Right. And it's like, yeah, for you, it's hard to believe right. because that wouldn't happen here, even though there is still the death penalty over here, but obviously much more procedural way of getting to that. Um, so that that's why I think they just want to go. They It seems so hard to believe that they just don't want to believe it, you know? Right, right. But then you have to you you have to remind them that this is some stuff that's been been happening in Iran. You know, nineteen eighty eight, there was the massacre of up to thirty thousand protesters. You know, and so when you see that they've done it before, it's not that hard to believe that they would do it again. And they did start right. executing them like one by one. Right. Yeah, that's that conversation. It's like just because you don't want to believe it doesn't mean it's not happening. And it's really irresponsible for us not to take a second look and be like, wait, let, let's talk about what uh, the underlying conversation or underlying uh, aspect of this is, which is a powerful regime is wanting to squash anything to keep their power, um, mm -hmm. which is that whole <laughs> evil construct narrative that's like the beginning of all the superhero movies that unfortunately right. doesn't exist, right? <laughs> but I think that's another conversation. I did want to kind of go into specifics, not necessarily about uh, the past history or the regular Iranian laws, but like there is a specific prison which has become kind of the key word of like, if they're going here, that mm. means they're in danger. Can you kind of talk about why we need to pay attention to these specific places and with the conversations mm. they, they may be leaving out? So there's a prison in Iran called Evin Prison, and that's where they take all the political prisoners. Political prisoner just literally means someone who protested. So my mom was in Evin prison. My aunt was in Evin prison. Her husband was in Evin prison. He was executed in Evin prison. So yeah, my cousin never met her dad because her mom was pregnant while she was in Evin prison. And yeah, she gave birth just right when she came out and they executed her dad. So um, it's kind of known as like 
that. It's like the place of no return. So um, after all these protesters were arrested um, and they were sent to Evan prison, and then sure enough, one by one, they kept getting convicted of like waging war against God and corruption on earth and all of these random, um, you know, obscure charges that are very all-encompassing. Um, and then the penalty would be death because it's just very easy to give someone a death penalty in Iran in a, in a sham trial could literally last a couple of minutes. So we started seeing that these people kept getting the death penalty, the death penalty, the death penalty. And that is kind of when we began our campaign to try and, you know, quote unquote, make them famous to get them out of there, which is something that we've seen work throughout history in in Iran. Right. Yeah, I think it's so, um, first of all, I'm so sorry for what has happened with your family. I cannot imagine the trauma Mm. alone from that, from in your family, and then hearing Mm. about what's happening, like trying to be hopeful, but knowing the reality of it all. Yeah, they know it firsthand. Exactly. When it comes to women that have been arrested, it seems like there's less information about what is happening with the women than some of the men. I know that as the campaign say their name to save their lives, which I do want to get into in a second. Is, Is there a background of why that would be so? Yes. Yeah, so I actually made a video about this because this started as kind of like a women's led revolution. And, you know, the Islamic Republic is aware of the sensitivity over women's rights in this context um, and, and other places in the world. Of course, right now, women's rights has become a hot topic. Misogyny has become a hot topic. My opinion is that they have two goals to achieve. One is that they don't want to piss the world off so much that there's a backlash, right? But they want to send a message that if you mess with us, there'll be consequences. So the best way for them to do that is to avoid doing something so inflammatory, such as publicly hanging a woman, right? Which is that's going to get the world's attention. Like feminists, people who care about women's rights are going to be like, oh my God, they're hanging women, you know? So the women are raped and killed in secret or in the streets, right? Where it's not so such a public statement, but they still do the hanging of the young men to send the message to the people inside of Iran if you protest, this is what's going to happen to you. And they hang them publicly from a crane so that that message is sent. It's not done in secret or in private. It's so that they know. So there is a gender apartheid under the, under the Islamic Republic, but there's also a kind of mini gender apartheid in the way that they treat them, in the way that they molest them and torture them and kill them, you know? Right. And I guess what, one of the things we've been circling around and want to really get to in this conversation um, is about um, social media and the use of social media. And we have been talking about it some, but um, can you talk about um, the difference social media can make in revolutions or movements like these and the impact of social media on this one specifically? Yeah. So, um, even though the Islamic Republic is not held accountable to itself in its position inside of Iran, um, it obviously has some degree of international accountability. 
And so um, I guess it started in 2020 where there were these three guys that were protesting the price of gas and they were sentenced to death in Iran. And I remember at that time, um, the international community was up in arms about it and everyone started talking about it. Everyone started posting about it. And then what happened is that their sentences were commuted to life. And then uh, people kept talking about it even more. And then eventually it was reduced again to five years. So they went from having uh, the death penalty to just, I mean, not just five years, because five years in death in prison is like a lifetime, but um, obviously a, di a difference. So um, then when this revolution came around, I had that in my mind. I was like, what if we get the international community to talk about these people? Maybe there's a chance that we could get them off death row. So the first Say Their Names to Save Their Lives campaign I did was for two girls who were on death row for their LGBTQ status. So that was uh, Zahra Sedri Hamadani and Elham Shubdar. So they were just these two young women, again, just like on TikTok, living their lives, and they were arrested and sentenced to death for their LGBTQ status. So I made this video and it got like 2 million views on Instagram. It was like shared by everyone, like even celebrities and people started sharing it. Um, and then I continued to do it on TikTok and these videos were getting like millions of views and everyone at the same time, obviously I'm not just one person, everyone was um, like campaigning for these people, like the people whose names were becoming known, people would like make videos and make infographics and slides and like they, the names became prominent. And then we started to notice that they were like being released on bail. They were having their convictions overturned. And so it's crazy because people think like there's no way that you talking about these people can do anything on social media. And yet we've literally seen these people, you know, we make them famous on social media and the Islamic Republic backtracks and they're like, hang on a minute. We don't want the international um, uprising if we execute these people who are literally they're so well known that their names are even in the news, you know. And so they just either overturn their death sentence or they let them go or they let them go on while well, they release them temporarily mm -hmm. pre-trial. It's also interesting to see the effect of social media for other governments trying to get involved. I know this whole conversation about sponsorships that happened, unfortunately, mm. not in the U.S., uh, but that outside, like social media has really started to catch attention to governments outside of pressuring hopefully countries to whether sanction or to at least speak against the Iranian go uh, regime, all of those things, it, it really seems to have a push on that level as well. Yeah, I mean, I think this was an idea that was introduced in Sweden or was it Germany? I can't remember where you have these representatives that would um, kind of like adopt or be a godparent to sponsor um, specific people that were on death row. And it gave them something to, it gave them a person to kind of protect. And someone, they became the person that the Islamic Republic were go was going to have to be accountable to. So, hey, if you execute this person, you're going to have to be accountable to this representative in Germany, Sweden, France, whatever, right? So, and it gave them a line to follow up with the Islamic Republic about the health and status of that prisoner. Because now you have a representative from an EU country, which you don't want to be on their terrorist list. You don't want to be sanctioned by the EU. So you have a representative from an EU country reaching out to you like, hey, 
what is the status of Dr. Hamid Ghara Hassan? What is the status mm-hmm. of this person? What is the status of this person? I want to know. Mm-hmm. And that type of pressure of just receiving that phone call or that email, that's life changing for prisoners, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Yeah. And and speaking of that, uh, what are some of the 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 tags or the people uh, specific accounts we should be following uh, about this revolution? Um, gosh, there's so many of us. I don't know where to begin. <laughs> so you have a big voice that's the co- one of the coalition leaders now because they've formed an opposition coalition. Um, so one of the big voices in that regard, her name is Masi Ali Najad. So she is a Iranian woman. She is a journalist and she's very, very vocal against the Islamic Republic. And I mean, they've actually a- attempted a kidnap assassination on her. Yeah, I think we did a small thing on her. Yeah, she's great. Um, there's so many, there's so many, because uh, this is like... <laughs> All I do now is follow, like, <laughs> I'm like, just, I, I might as well just go through my followers list and just right. share it with you. Yeah. So essentially what you're telling us is go onto your, your social media, find who you're following and follow them. Exactly. Yes. Okay, I got you. I got okay. you. <laughs> but Perfect. I guess one of the big tags, again, is say their name to save their lives. Is there other tags that we should be aware of that is specific to the Iranian revolution? Yes, that one, say their names to save their lives. Um, Iran, hashtag Iran revolution, hashtag op Iran, hashtag Masa Amini, um, hashtag Iranian protests. Um, those are the main ones, I think, for following Iran. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
How do you think the movement and the revolution is going right now? What do you think the status? How do you think it's going? What should we be aware of as for morale? Mm. I think that every revolution has peaks and valleys. Um, It goes up and down. And I think that that's just a natural part of human nature is that um, you have the moments where you're out there and you're fighting, and then you have the moments that you need the reprieve and the rest to recharge and recuperate. So I think recently we've been seeing that period of just like needing to recharge and, you know, have that bit of respite. But then I think following the formation of the coalition, that has done a lot to inspire people that there's some there's actually um a trajectory for this movement now we have something someone to replace the islamic republic it's given them a goal like a fixed goal to work towards so i think that the morale had dipped a little bit but i think now i'm noticing it kind of going back up um because of the coalition which is which has kind of changed things i don't know if i know much about the coalition can you explain that a little bit yeah, so um, the coalition is Reza Pahlavi, Masi Ali Najad, Nazanin Bonyadi, and Hamid Asmailion. I don't know if there's anyone else, but these are just a group of leaders who have been prominent um, in the Iranian revolution from outside of Iran. They all have a different role. One of them's a German journalist, one's a former prince, one's an actress, um, one is the guy who lost his wife and child when the flight 752 was shot down by the Islamic Republic. So um, they have come together to form an opposition to the Islamic Republic. So now what's happening is that you're having events that are being held where instead of like every year the EU will invite whatever, whatever, instead of inviting the Islamic Republic, now they're inviting the opposition, the coalition. And that is a big sign to the world that there's now an alternative to the Islamic Republic and um, they're taking that seriously. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's fantastic. I know. (laughs) Pretty great. (laughs) I mean, that was the one thing that was missing this whole time was a leader, right? right? And now we have a coalition of leaders. Right. That's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So one thing we've been talking about on this show is is what are some things that we could do as people on the outside? Mm. Well, it's interesting because everything that we've achieved so far is really just because we've managed to keep eyes on Iran. You know, everything that we've done has just been the success of international attention and people don't realize how much this makes a difference. I mean, when I'm talking about attention, literally watching a video all the way through increases engagement. Even if you didn't do anything, even if you just watched it and kept scrolling, you did something, right? You boosted the algorithm. If you downloaded it, you boosted the algorithm. If you shared it, you boosted the algorithm. If you commented something, you boosted the algorithm. So awareness has dramatically changed the landscape of everything that's happening in Iran right now. Of course, there's more that you can do, you know, you can sign the petitions, you can call your representatives, um, you know, you can call your representatives and ask them to co-sponsor the Mass Act, which is an act that sanctions the regime's leaders. Like, there's always, 
um, if you're following uh, like accounts of Iranian activists, there's always going to be things that they can get you to physically do. But I think people underestimate how much they're doing by just keeping their eyes on the subject, not looking away, not scrolling, you know, staying engaged by just engaging. You're keeping eyes on Iran. And with that attention, we have managed to achieve so much and we will be able to continue achieving so much. That's a lot. And I'm glad you can let us know because that's so much like you just don't know what you can do from the outside, especially when people are disconnected as the Iranian regime has done a great job in trying to disconnect mm. uh, the outside world from what's happening inside, including the people. Um, although, yeah. obviously, they're not doing a great job because we still know. No. We still know. <laughs> you still <laughs> people know. Like you. But I also think, right. But I also think it's important to give people tasks that they can actually do. Right. Because, you know, if people say, oh, what we can, can we do? And we say like, oh, well, you know, get on the bus and go to D.C. And blah, blah, blah. it's like, OK, well, people are not going to do that. Right. So if we give everyone in the world or everyone who has access to a smartphone, whatever, Instagram, TikTok, like a very simple task of like, hey, if you see an Iran, a video on Iran, watch it all the way to the end. Yeah. That's it. Like, just yeah. leave a comment. Like, love this. You know, share it. If you feel really compelled, share it. (laughs) Download it. You know, that's something where people can feel like they're making a difference without having to, you know, take them outside of their comfort zone. Right, right. Which, honestly, though, we should be able to get, go outside of our comfort zone. But, you know, that's a whole different conversation. It's a whole different conversation. <laughs> I just want to meet people where they're at. <laughs> that's fair. And I love that you are that yeah. kind person. And I'm like, yes, we need more people like you. But I'm like, why are you doing it? I get that. But what's wrong with you, please? <laughs> that's me. Um, but, you know, some of the other things that we talked about, especially when it comes to our government um, and the outside government and having the government do something bigger, can we as citizens, uh, do something to encourage our own people, our own representatives to be more involved or what can yes. we do to get through to, to that push? So there's a few things. Um, we would love the Biden administration to increase sanctions against the Islamic Republic. So putting pressure on this administration to do that, um, we need to get the IRGC um, on the EU terrorist list. So we're putting pressure on the EU to do that. And we have, you know, political prisoners that we are trying to get released, like Tumaj, who's the biggest rapper in Iran. So we have like our free Tumaj campaign. So we like, we want to get people to repost free Tumaj, hashtag free Tumaj, post his picture, his content, whatever. Um, And then there's the Massa Act, which I mentioned, which is um, an act that um, sanctions the regime's leaders. And we want to get people to call their representatives and ask them to co-sponsor the Massa Act because that's something that they're going to need to do in order for it to be enacted. So for the people who are ready to come out of that comfort zone, yes. we'll put that on our list, right? That's I it. Four that. things. Four things that can easily be done. <laughs> so well, easy. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a smartphone and time, yes, I think you do. Exactly. I think it's yes. pretty easy. Just call your um, representative. You don't even have to speak to the, you won't speak to the representative. You'll just speak no. to some yeah. clerk that picks up that's like interning from school. Right. And they'll be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> that's Probably. what they, they always say to me, the master act? And I'm like, no, no Massa, <laughs> like Massa Amini. And they're like, who? <laughs> Oh no! Yeah. That's yeah. such an insult. Too. You're like really. I know. Thanks. I'm Thanks like, a what? lot. 
Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's that's interns. Yeah. So, oh, that's don't so worry. You're just, you call them and you're just going to speak to interns. So don't worry. You know more than they do when, by the time you've called Educate them. Educate yeah. people. Yeah. You literally have to tell them what the math, and you're like, Iran, you know, Middle East, Iran. New and things are like, happening. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear God. Which state is that? Yeah. That makes me so sad. I'm, I, I laugh because I'm hurting. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, one of the questions we often ask our guests, and I know you are a busy person because we haven't even talked about what you do as a career, which is can be deflating and oftentimes mm. so stressful uh, as a criminal attorney in L.A., especially fighting a system that's so set up to make people fail. Whole different conversation, Oof, but... Don't even get me started. <laughs> I will. Don't get me started. Uh, <laughs> what do you do between the activism and your work? How do you care for yourself? Oh, my God, I don't. That's the problem. Girl, no. I know. And this is why I'm sick. I'm, I'm literally oh. like, I'm sick for the second time this year. And it's no. only the second month. And I was sick for all of January. And I was just, I, I think it's just because I'm so burnt out. Like, I've been right. going for like six months straight on this revolution. And before that, I was still doing right. my TikTok stuff every day, like right. through everything that was going on in America. And I was like right. angry. And right. then the revolution happened and I was like very, very angry. <laughs> um, and then, so I was just been producing content every day and then, mm-hmm. you know, going to work and I'm like literally in court right. and like tweeting or like in court and making a story and the judge is calling me oh, and I'm no. like BRB. Um, yeah, so I think I just got really burnt out, but now more recently I've actually gotten to the stage, like, because I got sick again and everything, like I was just like depressed and like emotionally burnt out. I got to the point where I'm like, okay, I actually cannot do this to myself anymore because I'm just driving myself into the ground. So this past week, I've just like been in bed all week. This is the most that I've done this week. So, oh, right. <laughs> that's, and that's yeah. funny because Thank you're you. not actually doing it, trying to care for yourself. It's literally because you're sick, and now you're on a I show know. with us, <laughs> giving us all this information. I know. I know. This is <laughs> this is but this is the most that I've done this week, which is good because usually I would just be like morning to night every day, yeah. and I just I stayed in bed all weekend because I mean I actually well, couldn't get out of bed I had right. like a crazy it wasn't fever. a rest that's not no, a rest, it wasn't a rest. that's not what yeah. that is <laughs> I like that you try to count it as this I'm like, I yeah. definitely take care of myself with a fever <laughs> in bed completely fine <laughs> this is self-care y'all I couldn't physically stand up. Aren't you proud of me? Yeah. Self-care. <laughs> self-care. Self-care. I did turn the candles on, but I couldn't smell them. So. Oh, no. Oh, no. I can see them. Ruh-roh. Ruh-roh. <laughs> well, then I think you need to take a page out of your cat's uh, playbook and go get into a luxury bag. Hide into a fashion bag. And hide bag. for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a that luxury seems like it was the fashion over. Yeah. Oh. oh. <laughs> I'm going to pretend like it's, it's a luxury. Yeah. Do that. Do Just that version. Cut it out. Cut out the part where I said Fashion Nova and just end at luxury bag. (laughs) Get it all in. We all need the truth. (laughs) But okay, so that means what we need to do is have you on in like six months so you can tell us what you've done to take a break for yourself. And you're going to tell us something amazing because a part of the political unrest, as I believe from our wake, we just did a great uh, book club. In, in, in the book, they talk about how uh, taking care of yourself is a part of like, fighting against justice as well because mm. you're actually caring so for yourself. True. 
And yeah, so that, that's something that you need to remember because you can't help anybody when you're feverish in bed for weeks at a time. I know. Yeah. Well, you know, that it's just, it's one of those things where you don't realize until it catches up with you. Right. So it's about taking the breaks when you don't think you need them. Right. You know, exactly. Like you feel like, oh, I'm okay. I'm good to go. Like that's the time where you're like, no, I've scheduled a break. I'm going to take a break so that I don't get burnt out. That's the hard, that's the hard part. So I'm going to p- cut this clip and then send it to you every two weeks on your TikTok to remind you. This oh is my what God, you said about yourself. Do. Please troll me. I'm going to troll you with your own words. Troll me, troll me with my own words. That's my dream. Hold me accountable. Oh my God, I need to. I need to see it. Yes. This is how I make friends by being their troll. This is what was going to happen. Troll for their mental health. Oh my God. Yes. That's a great, like, that's a great, like, title. I'm, I'm, I'm troll for your mental health. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that's, uh, you know that'll be on my tombstone. I was a troll for their mm. mental health. It's fine. <laughs> that's a great, great legacy to have. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> well, goodness, thanks for taking the time when you've been so sick to come yeah, on to no. our show. I mean, you know, that had to be done. Had to be done. So, thank yes. you for having me, though, even when I'm sick. I mean, oh. We were thrilled to have you. And we had no idea. You did such a great job in covering that up. I don't know if that's a good thing, though. Oh, okay. No. I thought my voice was going to give it away, but apparently it's not that bad then. <laughs> um, well, we would love to have you back on in the future and, yes, check in on your self-care and what's going on. Hopefully by that time we can talk about free Iran. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. What? How that's looking like? We're gonna put yes. that out there. We're gonna come yeah, back soon with that. We're gonna yeah. go ahead and put that out in the universe. Yeah, you can yes. be like, so you just you just got back from Tehran. What's it like out there? And now that exactly. everything's free, and I'll be like, <laughs> girl, let me tell you. No, I'll be doing it. I'll be doing it from Tehran because I'll be like, I'm not yes. coming back yet. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Well, I yes. can't wait for that. Yeah, me oh. too. Me too. <laughs> and we have to do a before and after. You know. Yes. yes. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, that'd be fun. Well, in the meantime, where can our good listeners find you? You can find me. Um, I'm Elika Lebon pretty much everywhere except for TikTok. I'm Elika.Lebon. So Instagram at Elika Lebon, TikTok at Elika.Lebon, Twitter at Elika Lebon, and you know, whatever else, be the same thing. YouTube, whatever thing that comes up in the future, it's Elika Lebon. <laughs> Across the board. Perfect. Across the board. <laughs> Just search Easy. me in your apps. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yes. Well, I trust that the, the listeners know how the internet works and how to search things. So I, I believe well, if you they've can come do it. this far. If yes. they've come this far. Yeah. If they're yes. listening now. <laughs> I was say, if they listen to a podcast, they, they are already uh, like leaps ahead on this right. whole internet. They know how to find me. Like, yeah, exactly. Tech things. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, listeners, please go do that. Uh, go follow Elika wherever you can uh, for amazing content, informative content, important content. Um, thank you again for being here with us. It was a delight. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yes. Oh, it was such a delight. We hope you feel better soon. Thank um, you. <laughs> and rest for real. I'm going yes. to rest. Yes. <laughs> Samantha will haunt you. She'll haunt oh, you. Oh, please haunt me. Please haunt me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And listeners, if you would like to find us, you can. Our email is stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast 
or on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff Mom Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.